Chapter 8, Alone I'd only been to the principal's office once before in my life. Most people are surprised to hear I've been there at all, but it's true. I was in first grade, and some older girl called my friend at the time a rude name. Funny, I don't even remember the name of the friend, but I remember the taunt clear as day, Taco Girl. In hindsight, I had no idea what the real implications of that statement were at the time. I just assumed she must have liked tacos a lot, which didn't seem like a bad thing to me. Tacos were great. But my friends started crying, and I knew that whatever it meant, it was not good. So I did what any decent person would do, I called the girl a dumb face, and punched her square in the eye. The chewing out I got from the principal later, not to mention Weaver, which was ten times worse, ensured I was never quite as intense with my demonstrations of loyalty going forward. But I still remember the experience clearly. The questions. The crying. The terror of getting yelled at that still haunts me as an adult. Sitting inside Dr. Brightman's office felt pretty much exactly the same. After leading us out of the group room and up the stairs, with five pairs of eyes following us the whole way out, she led us into her office without a word. At that exact moment, she got what looked to be an extremely important phone call, and, after a brief but incredibly stern warning to remain on our best behavior in her absence, she left the two of us behind in her office. Alone. I hadn't looked at Katra's face once since we climbed the stairs, and I had no intention of doing so now. There were so many emotions burning inside of me. That I couldn't even tell where one stopped and the other began. Mostly, I just couldn't get that look of hers out of my mind. Like she thought I was going to attack her again any second. Like I was some kind of monster. It was suffocatingly quiet, I could hear the AC whirring through the vent in the ceiling. There was virtually nothing in the room that I could use to distract myself from her presence. We just sat there, in unwilling company with each other, waiting for the tension to boil over. I heard her inhale at the same time I did. Why dash? I was writing about how much I liked you. Silence. The AC crackled above us. I heard her swallow. What? More silence. I sighed. That entry. You read it out of context. On the page before it, I was talking about the singing thing, and how much I, how cool I thought you were. I could practically hear her eyebrows furrowing next to me. Then why'd you write Dash? It was a joke, Katra. My face was burning. That's what I meant when I talked about how, I don't know, how much of an asshole you are. Combined with the other stuff I wrote, it was supposed to be, affectionate. I closed my eyes in defeat. Oh. The quiet that followed was all-consuming. Whatever Katra was thinking, I couldn't tell, I still wouldn't meet her gaze. What were you going to ask? I asked eventually. It's, uh, it's nothing, she said. She sounded a bit flustered. I was content with that answer. Really, I was content to end the conversation altogether, I was feeling thoroughly exhausted at that moment. But to my surprise, she spoke up. Why do you wear that hoodie all the time, she asked. I could see you baking during class. You looked miserable. I felt my face darken even more. Glad to know I'd looked exactly as ridiculous as I'd felt. It's not mine, I mumbled, though I knew that wasn't what she was asking. 
I got it at the hospital. I figured, Katra said. Her voice was tinged with irony. No offense, but you don't seem like the Gachankla type. My flush deepened. Yeah, no. I'm super white. She chuckled. Kinda figured that too. Her original question still hung in the air. But she didn't ask again. It was up to me to decide if I felt comfortable. For obvious reasons, I was a bit conflicted. It was way too vulnerable of an admission to give to someone I'd basically just had a fist fight with. I hadn't even wanted to tell the staff about it, how could I trust her, after everything she'd said. But then I remembered the mark I'd seen on her shoulder this afternoon. And in spite of everything that's happened, I couldn't help but feel like she might understand what I was dealing with. On some level, at least. So I closed my eyes. Opened them. Then, as casually as I could muster, I said, scars. There was quiet. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her nod. Got it. The silence returned. Katra shifted uncomfortably in her seat next to me, and I could tell she was trying to pluck up the courage to say something. I kept my eyes trained on the empty chair in front of me. I'd said my fill. Finally, she cleared her throat. Adora Dash. The door opened. Dr. Bright Moon was an intimidating presence on an ordinary day. Now, her face was locked in an icy glare of disapproval as her heels clicked across the hardwood. She sat, and I couldn't help but wilt a little as she regarded us both with obvious displeasure. So? Who'd like to start? Neither of us spoke. With Dr. Brightmoon sitting in front of me, the thought of looking at Katra didn't seem nearly as intimidating as the alternative. So I did. The snark and bravado from earlier was gone, now, she looked more like a child who'd been caught sneaking cookies from a cookie jar. It would have been funny, if not for the fact that I probably had the exact same look on my face. Anyone? Dr. Brightmoon prompted. I know that wasn't a random accident I saw. I'd like to know what led up to it. The thought of sharing Katra's taunts with Dr. Brightmoon made me sick to my stomach. I wasn't comfortable saying some of those things out loud to myself, let alone an authority figure. And anyways, I didn't really want Katra to get in trouble, in spite of everything. I mostly just wanted to walk out of this room right now and pretend she didn't exist for the rest of the week. This whole thing had been exhausting, not to mention a major distraction from my goal of getting the hell out of here as fast as possible. I'm not sure what I was going to say when Katra spoke, only that I never got the chance. It was my fault, Dr. Bright Moon. My head shot towards her so fast I almost gave myself whiplash. Is that so? asked the director. Her eyebrows were furrowed with obvious suspicion. I opened my mouth to chime in. Actually dash. Adora, save it. You know it's the truth. I was so stunned by the aggressive rebuttal that I did, in fact, save it. Katra signed. I was egging her on. Talking about, stupid shit. She blushed. Adora didn't do anything wrong. I gave the all clear before she hit me, I just wasn't in the right stance. Both of those statements were complete lies. I had struck without warning, and Katra's stance, reluctant as I was to admit it, was pretty much flawless. But when I went to argue to the point, Katra shot a withering glare in my direction. I fell silent.
Thank you for your honesty, Katra, Dr. Bright Moon said cautiously. She still wasn't entirely placated. But I'm a bit lost on what triggered this situation in the first place. Dr. Bright Moon rubbed between her eyes, I noticed, for the first time, how tired she looked. It made me feel kind of guilty. Why were you egging her on? Were you two arguing over something? Katra cast her eyes downward. No. There was no reason for it. I just, wanted to piss someone off, I guess. She seemed as good a candidate as any. If not for Dr. Brightman's presence, I'm pretty sure my mouth would be hanging open. What was going on here? How had she swung from kicking the crap out of me to lying in my defense in the span of ten minutes? I found myself wondering, half seriously, if she'd bumped her head at some point during the fall. But in any case, the explanation seemed to convince Dr. Brightmoon. While I appreciate your willingness to come to Adora's defense, Katra, I feel the need to remind you that this is not the first time we've sat in this office together. I've already had to discuss your antagonistic behavior towards other residents with you once before. And you have not been here for very long. She sighed. Katra looked very small in her chair, all of a sudden. I want you to succeed, Katra. Truly, I do. But I cannot jeopardize the well-being of other residents in the process. I suggest you heed my warning to remain on your best behavior from this moment out. Katra just nodded, still staring resolutely at her lap. Maybe it was all just a spiel, but I found myself genuinely believing her, Dr. Brightmoon really didn't want Katra to fail, even if her delivery was a bit icy at times. And for her part, Katra didn't seem keen on disappointing Dr. Brightmoon either. This was the longest she'd gone without making a sarcastic comment since I got here. Though my mind was buzzing with guilt and confusion, I didn't deny any of Katra's claims. Maybe I should've, she really didn't have to do all that for me, especially with her own record on the line. But the emotional whiplash from the past few hours had been so confusing that I kind of just, let it happen. Whatever this was, it seemed important to her. And I didn't want it to come down to a her-versus-me argument in Dr. Brightman's office. Especially since I was pretty sure she wouldn't back down, at any cost. Our scolding was complete, though I suppose it was more Catra's scolding than anything, Dr. Brightmoon stood from her desk and walked us to the door. As we passed through the door frame, she regarded us both hesitantly. If there are any more issues, on either of your ends, please let me know before anything escalates. She allowed herself a tired smile. I know you two are roommates, so please, do your best to talk things out before bringing your fists into it. I truly have enough paperwork to fill out as it is. I nodded, relief and embarrassment flooding my veins. Understood, Dr. Brightmoon. Sorry again for this. She gave a gentle nod. Then, after what I could have sworn was an eye roll, she closed the door behind us with a gentle click. It was quiet then. Neither me nor Katra moved to break the spell. Below, I could hear the faint chatter of the rest of the house, they'd been out of group for a while now. Finally, I spoke. Why'd you do it? Katra shrugged. She tied at the ground with her foot. I don't know. Maybe I believe your dumb little excuse about thinking I'm cool. I smiled. You can read the page, if you want. Then, quickly realizing what I had just offered, hurriedly added, some of it, at least. 
A few sentences. Katra rolled her eyes. I think I've dug into your personal life enough for now. Thanks, though. With that, we headed to our room to change. Our stunt had cost us the opportunity for a shower. We'd have to make do with a change of clothes. To make matters worse, I'd have to put the hoodie back on. Afterwards, and that thing was not feeling particularly fresh after the beating I'd taken in the last group. While Katra pulled her shirt and sports bra over her head, and I fought the bizarre urge to stare, I grabbed a change of clothes and headed for the bathroom. Katra knew about the scar now, but I still wasn't eager to show it off to her. The thought of her seeing it, of anyone seeing it, made me ill. So I stripped my hoodie off just long enough to change my underclothes, then slipped it back over my head. It improved the grimy sensation somewhat. I finished by splashing some water on my face and drying off with a nearby towel. There. I wasn't attractive, by any standards, but I didn't look like a train wreck anymore. I felt a little uncomfortable, all of a sudden. When did I start caring so much about my appearance? It felt out of character, even for someone as chronically insecure as I was. I needed to work on whatever vanity issues I seemed to be developing these past few days. Sighing, I turned to leave the bathroom. I opened the door. Katra was standing there in her underwear. I blinked. Twice. She'd taken off her shirt, leaving her burned scar on full display, and changed into a nude Brian underwear set that blended almost perfectly with her skin. There was another tattoo on her abdomen, something dainty and geometric, which appeared to circle around her breasts. She was holding a black folded-up hoodie in her arms. Once she realized I was apparently too dumbstruck to say anything, she took the lead. Here, she said, offering me the hoodie without looking up. Once I'd taken it, she went about searching the room for another change of clothes. The underwear was a thong. I had to force my eyes down immediately. Stop looking at your roommate's ass, weirdo. I was seriously all over the place today. To distract myself, I unfolded the hoodie. It was one of those NASA ones they used to sell at Target, I'd had one in high school, back when I was really hyper fixated on the whole astronaut thing. This one was kind of worn, but cozy, too. There were comforting hints of her scent in the fabric. I looked at Katra, who'd grabbed a pair of jean shorts off the ground and was now stepping into them with her front towards the door. She seemed a bit off for some reason. Nervous, like she was trying too hard to play it cool. The thought made me feel lighter. You don't have to, I said reflexively. I brushed a piece of lint off of the arms. I don't want to take your stuff if you need it. Katra snorted. She still wasn't looking at me. Don't worry about it. That one's too big for me, anyways, I only use it to sleep in when it gets cold. She hesitated. Plus, don't you like, into space, or something? Several thoughts battle for control of my head at once, the thought of wearing a hoodie that Katra had slept in, the idea that Katra somehow knew I liked space, the fact that I even cared about those things in the first place. In the end, I just nodded. Yeah. I do. She shrugged and turned around. This time, I managed to avert my eyes before she did. Probably better to be known as an astronomy geek than a closeted racist. I laughed, then shucked my chancla hoodie over my head without another word. The fabric was as comfortable as it looked, 
and much less bulky than mine had been. I was hit with the sudden urge to bury my nose in it. Breathe her in. I managed to shove it down, but not before a shot of panic flared in my chest. Why was I being so weird? Looks good on you, she said casually. I looked up to find her inspecting me, without any malice this time. Keep it, if you want. I seriously don't use it much. My heart, which seemed to have developed a life of its own today, did a little flip in my chest. It occurred to me, quite suddenly, that I'd taken off my hoodie in front of her. I couldn't be sure if she was looking, but still, I just revealed my scar to her, like it was nothing. I hadn't even realized it. Maybe it was because she'd shown me hers. Or maybe I just felt more comfortable around her now, even though we'd been fighting less than an hour ago. Either way, it felt like a big step. So instead of fighting to return the hoodie, I just looked at her genuinely and said, thanks. She just looked at me. The expression was focused and not entirely unpleasant. I couldn't tell what she was thinking. But for some reason, I really wanted to, and it kind of frightened me. I shook my head. I'd been staring. Surprisingly, so had she, she averted her eyes the same time I did. Group time, I said, for lack of anything better to say. She didn't answer. She just headed out the door. Eventually, I followed. She'd settled on a black crop top for some band whose logo I couldn't see. As we walked, I found myself fascinated by the sight of her ribs shifting beneath her skin. Anxiety began to rise in my chest again, though I couldn't quite place why. I told myself it was just the adrenaline high from earlier wearing off. My brain was getting trapped in weird, obsessive loops again. Somehow, it didn't feel like enough. She reached the top of the stairs. Then, she jumped, so fast, I could barely process it. Her head disappeared, a second later, there was a loud thud that sounded like a body dropping to the floor. Katra. I cried. There was a brief pause. Then, I heard her cackling from the floor below. I'm fine, Adora, she insisted. I do this all the time. I shuffled forward nervously. Sure enough, there she was on the landing, looking completely unhurt and a little bit smug. I just, why? I asked incredulously. Doesn't it hurt your knees? She just grinned. I couldn't help but suspect that she enjoyed my fussing somewhat. Nah, she said nonchalantly. I've got great joints. I just scoffed. For now. She smirked, then padded easily down the second flight. Forever. Aging is for nerds. I rolled my eyes at that. She waited for me at the bottom of the stairs, even though the group was only a few feet away. It made me feel strangely comforted. And it gave me the courage to reach out, touch her back, as she turned to leave. She paused, looking up at me curiously, I dropped my hand quickly. Thank you. I said, ignoring my fluster. I mean it. You didn't have to do that. Katra just shrugged. I was out of line. The journal, the taunts, all of it. She sighed. I am an asshole, Adora. It's kind of my thing. And I'm working on it, but, I don't know. Not fast enough, I guess. There was that strange fluttering feeling again. Without thinking, 
I reached out to touch her shoulder, her panther. A jolt of energy hit my system, I could feel her muscle twitch slightly with surprise beneath my fingertips. I hurried on before I could lose my nerve. I feel like you're doing a better job than you think you are. And then, lacking anything else to add, I squeezed her shoulder gently and repeated, thank you. Katra was studying me with an expression I couldn't quite figure out. It was intense. Strangely unguarded. And maybe this is weird. I know it is, actually. But in that moment, I think I would have been content to stand there, puzzling out the feelings in those strange, mismatched eyes of hers, until the end of time. Then she smirked, and the spell was broken. Don't get soft on me now, princess. She turned to walk down the hall. I watched her walk away for a moment, my body thrumming with strange energy. Out of nowhere, a thought hit me. Can I ask you something? She paused. I couldn't see her expression. Sure. There was a moment where my old fear kicked in, and I wanted to back down. But I'd already stopped her now. And honestly, if I didn't get an answer to this question, it was eventually going to drive me insane. Why were you drawing me as a golden retriever? Honestly? She froze. I waited. The silence was agonizing, but I tried to stay calm. I needed to know. No matter how badly the answer hurt. Finally, without turning around, she spoke. You know what you said earlier? About the stuff you wrote being, affectionate? Her voice had an odd quality to it. I nodded, before realizing she couldn't see me. Yeah. I remember. Another pause. Then. It was like that. And she walked away without another word. There was a funny little smile spreading across my face that I was very, very grateful she couldn't see. For a minute, I just stood there, letting adrenaline wreak havoc on my system. Then, dazed and a bit giddy, I shook my head lightly a few times to clear it and followed her in. Group was in the living room this time. I remembered from earlier that that was where they kept the computers, my heart leapt with a strange combination of dread and anticipation. The MMA group, in spite of how disastrous it had been, had been a welcome distraction from reality. But there was no avoiding it now. It was time to get to work. Katra headed towards her own computer after a quick nod towards Perfuma. She and Scorpia were huddled together at their workstation, going over notes in a hushed tone of voice. I saw that their legs were brushing together under the desk, it made my heart ache a little, for reasons I didn't understand. I waved at the both of them and headed to the open desk in front of me. Everyone had matching sets of wireless Bluetooth headphones, and seemed to be pretty lost in thought. Glimmer, in particular, was jamming to something that sounded distinctly Taylor Swift Why, judging by the sound leaking through her headphones. She was frantically typing out what appeared to be some sort of essay, barely ever stopping to rest. A quick glance to my right revealed that Katra had disregarded the computer entirely in favor of a worn-out tablet. She was sketching using some sort of design software while nodding along to something upbeat, though her music wasn't turned up loud enough to hear, the way Glimmer's was. I wanted to know what she was listening to. And what she was drawing. There were quite a few things about Katra I wouldn't mind knowing, actually. But I needed to focus. So I tore my eyes away from her, and booted up the computer in front of me. It was a desktop, the oldest I'd seen in a while. 
It made a whirring noise as it started, its rusty hardware creaking to life as the main menu loaded. I tapped my finger against the desk impatiently until the spinning buffer circle finally disappeared, and a sparse blue home screen took its place. Frankly, I was shocked this thing even had wireless capabilities in the first place. But it didn't matter. There was no time to queue up any playlists, even my standard lofi beats. So I disregarded the headphones and clicked the web browser, my heart already racing a little with anticipation. I wasted no time logging into my school email and scrolling through my unread messages. My heart sank as I started opening the attachments. I'd known it was going to be bad but that didn't make it any nicer to look at. On top of my standard assignments, Dr. Hope had sent me the project outline for the upcoming summer symposium, as well as some additional calculus homework to help me brush up on my fundamentals before finals. I'd never been great at math. But even before everything that happened, my grades had really taken a deep dive this semester, even before everything that happened. Dr. Hope had offered to tutor me personally to get me caught up, which I was grateful for. Really, I was. But staring at the endless pages of formulas and theorems I had to memorize made my brain swim. It had been so long since I did a math problem, and I felt like I'd forgotten what little information I had managed to retain before the hospital. I inhaled through my nose, releasing slowly through my mouth. It was fine. I'd played catch-up before, and I could do it again. I just needed to organize my thoughts, and... Five minutes left guys. Go ahead and wrap up whatever it is you're working on. What? I could have sworn I had at least 15 minutes left, enough to get started, at least. A cold flush spread through my body. Focus. Do whatever you can, while you can. But while I did my best to retain the information on the page, it didn't seem to be making much of a difference. My brain was freezing up. I kept reading the same page over and over but nothing was going on. They were just random symbols to me, it might as well have been a foreign language. I tried to breathe deeply to calm my thoughts, but it was no use, the time constraint had sent my brain into a spiral. Focus, you idiot. It's not that hard. Just focus. But soon, even the word itself began to lose its meaning. Focus. Focus, focus, focus. Nothing made sense. Nothing ever made sense to me. Stupid Adora. Stupid, stupid, stupid. By the time Scorpia called for the end of the group, the page in front of me had blurred from the tears in my eyes. I wiped them quickly before they could fall and clicked out of all my windows, neck flushed with embarrassment. I was being ridiculous. Everyone else was here to work on life-altering trauma, and here I was, crying over math. I took a few steadying breaths. By the time I'd logged out of my computer, my eyes were mostly dry. At least I'd finally made it to dinner. These last few hours had felt like an eternity. I couldn't believe that my meeting with Dr. Bright Moon, the first one, had happened on the same day. I looked around at the other residents as they began to shift towards the dining table. Most people were still in a daze from staring at a screen for so long, so chatter was light. Still, the atmosphere was comfortable as everyone grabbed their plates from the kitchen and started loading up on dinner, some sort of delicious-looking casserole thing, with bread and asparagus on the side. I observed from afar, my mood still low. I was beginning to get a sense of some of the main social divisions around here. 
The house seemed to be tentatively divided by age, Hordak, Entrapta, and Rong Hordak tended to move in a flock, while Bo and Glimmer usually talked amongst themselves. Everyone had a place in the house, everyone except me. And Katra, of course. But part of me felt like maybe she preferred it that way. I wasn't sure that I did. I knew I'd prefer to be a part of the Bo and Glimmer group if I had the choice. But as nice as they were, starting a conversation with them felt way too intimidating. They were both so, cool. I knew it was a very high schoolish way of viewing the situation, but my brain clung to it regardless. I couldn't help but feel like they didn't really want to be friends with someone like me. They were probably just being polite because I was new. Of course, I wanted to get close to Katra too. But we'd only barely formed a truce after the journal incident. And anyways, I wasn't sure if trying to be her friend was such a good idea for either of us. It had only been a day, and I already felt so weird and charged up when I was around her. If she knew how clingy I got when we were together, I doubt she'd want to hang out with me either. The thought made my heart sink. I'd never been great with people. Being in sports had made me semi-popular in high school, but I was always that kid on the periphery, never really left out, but never truly included either. It had been okay, tolerable, at least, when I had academics to keep my mind off things. But now that was falling apart too. And my head was starting to go to dark places. People were chatting around the kitchen counter. I tried to banish the thoughts from my mind and chime in on the conversation going on around me, something about the merits of sonic arrows, whatever those were, but I couldn't muster the courage. I felt tiny, and stupid, and totally alone. I busied myself with pouring a glass of juice from the fridge, but the negative thoughts continued to swirl malevolently inside my skull. I just wanted to go to my room. Lie down in bed for a while, where no one could see me, and finally relax a little. I'd be alone, yeah, but it sounded way better than being lonely around others, the way I was now. It was way too quiet all of a sudden. I turned to see everyone staring at me. For a moment, I genuinely thought they'd been reading my mind. It took Bo smiling and glancing furtively at the fridge behind me, like he was trying to speak in code, to finally clue me in. Fuck. The room collapsed into giggles. I tried to shake it off and be a good sport, but I couldn't have been less amused in that moment. My laugh sounded harsh and unnatural, even to my own ears. I was an idiot. An absolute idiot. Why would anyone want to be friends with me, a moron who was practically failing calculus, and couldn't even remember the one rule they'd been drilling into my head since I got here? Despondent, I thought back to the betting pool, I bet no one else had screwed up twice before. If it was going to be anyone, though, it would have been me. I bet Glimmer had put money on it. Most people chuckled and moved on with their dinner prep. But a few people were eyeing me warily. Bo and Katra, in particular, seemed to sense that I was taking things harder than I should have. I refused to meet their eyes, eventually, they took their plates to the dining room without another word. I was alone. Tears were falling down my cheeks again. I ignored them, almost angrily. Five days. Then I could leave, and never have to see anyone here again. Go back to the way things used to be, where, at the very least, I could be an idiot in the privacy of my own room. I wiped my face and started heading for the dining room, my bones aching with fatigue. I wished I'd never come here. 
I could have lived without the knowledge that, even in a mental institution, I was still the most screwed up person in the room. A blur of movement shot past me without warning. Bo. He was booking it outside, so quick, I nearly dropped my plate as he passed. I couldn't see his face, but he didn't look up or acknowledge me as he went. A chill ran down my spine. He didn't slam the door behind him, even in his elevated state. Instead, he let it hang open. It left me wondering, was I the only one who'd seen that? Was the staff going to intervene? No. I could hear Scorpia and Perfuma bantering in the other room. Somehow, they'd both missed this. They'd probably assumed he'd gone back for more food. Instead, he'd vanished without a trace. In hindsight, I probably should have just told the staff what had happened right away. A client breakdown was really not something I had any business tackling on my own, if anything, I could have easily made things worse. What if he'd made it out of the backyard somehow and hit the road? What if he'd hurt himself? All legitimate concerns. But for some reason, right then, I forgot where I was. I forgot that this was a mental institution, and that we were on constant supervision, and that I wasn't even allowed to open a dumb fridge by myself. I just saw someone who'd been overwhelmingly kind to me having what appeared to be a really difficult time. And I wanted to return the favor. So without mentioning it to anyone, I slipped out the open door and into the fading light. Bo was standing about ten feet away. If I hadn't known any better, I would have guessed he was just admiring the sunset. But his posture felt wrong, there was too much tension in his body. He looked distressed, even though I couldn't see his face. It was only when I got closer that I realized his shoulders were shaking. Oh, man. I could go back now. He hadn't seen me. I cared about Bo, but I didn't really know him, he probably didn't want me to intervene. I know I wouldn't want that. Then I remembered the revelation I'd been stewing on less than thirty seconds ago, I was an idiot. The last thing in the world I'd wanted was to break down in front of the whole group this morning, but it had ended up being exactly what I needed. And if Bo was anything like me, and I was beginning to think he was, he probably needed a witness right now, more than he would care to admit. So I cleared my throat and spoke. Bo? He turned, fast. I'd startled him. Hey, Adora. His voice was all wrong, strained and cracking, like he was barely keeping it together. There were tears on his cheeks. I'm okay, he said, in a voice that sounded the exact opposite. Just getting some fresh air. You can go back inside. Here was another opportunity to pass the torch. Bo clearly wanted me to leave. I could go inside, the way he told me, and grab stuff. Leave this to the professionals. I would literally be giving him what he asked for. But I decided to try one more time. If you want to talk, Bo, I'm here for you. You know that, right? His eyes got really big. For a moment, he just looked at me, his expression full of surprise and pain. Then, finally, he fell apart. A huge, painful sob tore through his body. He dropped his head, as if defeated. It was a shocking departure from his demeanor prior to now. Without hesitating, I bridged the gap between us and wrapped him in a hug. I could physically feel the tension leave his body. It was as if he were a marionette, and someone had cut his strings. 
his chest heaving as he cried, not bothering to hold back any longer. Behind me, I heard the door open. I didn't have to turn around to know that it was probably staff. But in that moment, I had the sudden instinct that more onlookers weren't what Bo needed, even trained ones. So as subtly as I could, I held a thumbs up over Bo's back. A silent signal that everything was okay. I don't know if they saw it. Maybe it hadn't even been staffed at all. All I know is that, a few seconds later, I heard the door crack again. There was no more noise after that, other than Bo's quiet sobs against my shoulder. It was just the two of us now. I felt my pulse increase a bit, in spite of everything. I hoped I knew what I was doing. Bo pulled himself together relatively quickly. Even though he'd already broken down, I could tell the vulnerability was still hard for him, he had started fighting to get his breath under control almost immediately. Eventually, he was quiet again. When he moved to pull back, I let him. Bo's eyes were bright red. He seemed to be avoiding eye contact, a rarity for him. I turned my head discreetly as he wiped his face and pulled himself together as best as he could. The crickets were beginning to emerge from hiding as the air cooled, their chirps briefly stilled the restlessness in my own mind. Finally, after a moment of quiet, he spoke. Sorry. His voice was little more than a croak. I didn't mean to lose control like that. He seemed so embarrassed, and for what? Being a human being? I knew I was being a hypocrite, but it still seemed like he was being totally unfair to himself. Bo, I was literally crying seconds before I came out here, I said, laughing a bit. You don't have to worry about controlling yourself around me. To my horror, I saw Bo's eyes begin to well up again. I know, he said, his voice cracking. That was my fault. Huh? What do you mean? I asked incredulously. He hung his head miserably. I shouldn't have laughed about the fridge thing, he mumbled. I could tell you were upset afterwards. I feel awful. It wasn't the right response, but I couldn't help it, I laughed. Bo, I wasn't crying over the fridge. I insisted. I mean, I was crying because I was an idiot, and I guess the fridge was part of that. But that had nothing to do with you guys. I would have laughed too. I still shouldn't have made things worse, he said helplessly. I should have read the room. I had to fight back the urge to hug him again. What an absurdly considerate human being. It wasn't your fault, Bo. I promise. I had a lot going on. At that, he gave a dry chuckle. He looked a bit calmer now. Yeah. I guess we all do, huh? Pretty much. I gave him a sympathetic half-smile. You weren't just upset over that, were you? His face fell. No, he said, his voice low. I had a lot going on, too. I just nodded. He didn't have to tell me the details if he didn't want to. He'd pushed himself enough as it was. But to my surprise, after a moment of silence, he began to speak. My dads don't know I'm an engineering major, he said quietly. They think I'm studying liberal arts. Preparing to be a librarian. He must have caught the look that flashed involuntarily on my face. I know it's weird. Trust me, I know. But they're just, like that. He sighed. 
They want me to take over the family library after college, expect me to, actually. They've had this idea of what I was supposed to be since I was a kid, and I've never been able to deviate from it. No matter how much I tried to tell them. He chuckled humorlessly. It sounds dumb, saying it out loud. But it's more than just the school thing. He turned to face the sunset. They don't listen to anything I say. What my opinions are. What my interests are. I'd literally been doing the archery club for. A year in high school before they realized I'd joined, they just didn't listen when I talked about it. Then, when I started struggling with my mental health, they didn't seem to want to hear about that, either. And eventually, I stopped telling them. I exhaled. That doesn't sound dumb to me at all, I said softly. It sounds awful. He just nodded. They just don't get why I need to be here. As far as they can tell, I had the perfect life. And maybe they're right. They were a black, gay couple growing up in the 80s. They had to watch all their friends either die from AIDS or get jumped by cops. He scoffed. Of course they don't understand what I'm doing here. I have nothing to complain about. I stepped forward and placed my hand on boy's back. His shoulders were huge, they made me feel so small in comparison. Growing up without anyone to listen to you doesn't sound like nothing to me, I said solemnly. I have first-hand experience with that. It's awful. He nodded. It wasn't always like that. I used to have, someone. He glanced away, clearly uncomfortable. But it's not something I'm used to. Not anymore. I nodded. I was curious, but I didn't press. Honestly, I had to get used to talking about myself when I got here, he continued. Glimmer's one of the first people I'd ever met who wanted to hear. What I thought, what I really thought, at least. He sighed. It's just hard. The more I care about someone, the less I want to worry them. He glanced at me, his eyes flashed with panic. Not that I don't care about you. I totally do. You just caught me off guard, and we only just met, and dash. Bo, I said, trying my best to keep my face straight. It's okay. I know you and Glimmer are close. He smiled, a bit sheepishly. Then he covered my hand with his own. Yeah. She's pretty great. You are too, though. I smiled back. Eventually, he dropped his hand, I did as well. We stood there for a moment, watching the sunset. It was the first time in a while that I wasn't actively thinking of anything. I just listened to the crickets, and breathed in the air. I've been living with them throughout college to try and save money, Bo said after a beat. My parents, I mean. But I've been trying to get out for a while. I love them, but living with them is hard. And every time I bring up moving out, they kind of guilt me about it. He shrugged. I'm the youngest of all my brothers, the last one in the house. And it kind of feels like they want me to stay their little boy forever, or something. He glanced at me. Suddenly, I could see his walls going up again. Sorry. This is just turning into a therapy session at this point, he chuckled. You don't want to hear about all this. I do, though, I said, and I meant it. Really. It helps to know I'm not the only one struggling here. At that, he grinned. Adora, trust me.
Of all the things you're gonna have to worry about while you're here, that will never be one of them. We're all going through it here. They don't approve of this level of care for just anyone. I laughed. Really makes me feel special. He shrugged. Maybe to some. But here, you fit in just fine. I couldn't help but smile at that. Yeah. I guess I do. We stood there for a moment, watching the sunset. My nerves from earlier, and my shame, had almost completely faded. In its place was a sense of peace that was almost completely unfamiliar to me. Eventually, Bo cleared his throat. Thanks, Adora, he murmured. I'm not great at talking about my feelings, but I, uh, I appreciate it. Same, I said, giving him a brief side hug. And same. Maybe Bo was right, I thought, as we headed back towards the house. Maybe we really were all battling our own internal ugliness. And as much as I wished my friends didn't have to suffer, a part of me was relieved to have finally found a group of people I didn't have to hide myself from anymore. There were no unsupportive guardians to put us down here, or apathetic friends and colleagues to mask ourselves for. We could just, be ugly here. For better or for worse. And I don't know. As bad as things had been that day, that realization was actually pretty nice. Chapter 9, Betrayal. Dinner passed in relative comfort. No one commented when Bo and I walked in, though I'm sure they knew something had happened outside. But the staff gave us both a warm greeting as we took our seats. And when I happened to glance up at Katra, I got a small half-smile from her too. A minor gesture, but one that warmed me from the inside nonetheless. I was relieved when Rong Hordak's request for another round of words in a bowl, that's the name. Original, right? was turned down by the other group members. We opted instead to eat in companionable silence, occasionally punctured by random jokes and insights about the day's chaos. I was relieved to hear that, even by normal standards, today had been a bit intense. Though the fact that most of the intensity seemed to revolve around my mental breakdowns wasn't lost on me. The meal wasn't completely without tension, though. As we ate, I couldn't help but notice that Entrapta wasn't eating her casserole. She had the smallest serving out of any of us, but it remained untouched for most of the meal. Furthermore, she seemed to be having a silent conversation with Scorpia as the evening went on, the latter would glance at her meaningfully, Entrapto would start shuffling the food on her plate, and then she'd stop the moment Scorpia looked away. But then, in a moment so quick and subtle I was convinced I'd imagined it, I saw Hordak reach for Entrapta's hand. I only noticed it because of my unique position at the table. Scorpia remained oblivious. The only indication that anything had changed was the slight relaxation of the muscles in Entrapta's face. Then I watched as she took a bite, her first real bite of the meal, and smiled gently in Hordak's direction. Hordak didn't smile back, necessarily, but he looked significantly less grumpy than usual, and I felt a strange rush of affection for the pair. I guess Glimmer was right, they really did grow on you, after a while. I wasn't much of a relationship type of girl. Never had been. But at that moment, I couldn't help but long for someone to look at me the way Entrapta and Hordak looked at each other. That was when an image popped into my head, completely unbidden, Katra's hand in mine, fingers laced under the table. I suppressed it almost immediately, but not before a flare of panic shot through my chest. That was weird. Everything was just weird today. 
and maybe it was cowardly, but I'd had a long day, and I, I just didn't want to think about it, at that moment. So I didn't. I'm still not. Eventually, dinner came to an end. We were technically supposed to have a free block around now, but there was no way I was going to put myself through that again. So instead, I washed my dishes and headed upstairs without another word. Today had been ridiculous, but at least it was finally over. I could go straight to my room and crash now. Even if Katra kept the lights on again, I had no doubt I'd fall asleep quickly. I'd be lucky to make it through my shower first. I opened my bedroom door, walked in. Katra had my journal in her hands. Time stood still. I couldn't move. Couldn't think. Katra had only just noticed my presence, and was opening her mouth to say something, to defend herself, I suppose. But I didn't give her the chance. My paralysis finally lifted, I turned on my heels out of our room and let the door slam shut behind me. Normally I would have winced at the noise, but I hardly noticed this time. In fact, I didn't give a single fuck. Why? My stomach churned as I headed for the stairs, not bothering to think about where I was going. She'd seemed so earnest when she said she wanted to change. And it was a lie. She literally just, lied, directly to my face. And I believed her. Of course I did. Because she was pretty. And I was an idiot. And I'd wanted so desperately to justify all these weird feelings that were boiling up inside me. So I'd listened to her pretty words, and stared into her pretty eyes, and let her convince me she wasn't a complete asshole. And now. Fine. Let her read it cover to cover, if she wanted. None of that information was true anymore. In fact, I'd never felt less interested in someone in my entire life than I did at that moment. I hope she enjoyed what she found, because we were never speaking again. I was done. Not that she'd even care about that, I thought, as I stomped down the stairs so loudly I could have given Katra a run for her money. She obviously doesn't care about me. And why should she? We'd barely even met. I was such an idiot. When was I going to learn to stop getting so invested in other people, when they'd never done anything but hurt me? When would I get that through my thick head? I was scarcely aware of everyone's eyes on me as I stormed across the living room, sans Bo and Katra, who'd already gone to bed. But for once, I didn't really care what they were thinking. Let them assume I'm crazy. I was done giving a shit about that. I walked straight to the sliding screen door and yanked it open, a little too hard, before shutting it behind me and sitting down roughly at the table. I put my head on my arms and just sat there for a moment. The chill from the table seeped gradually into my bones. It had gotten cooler since my talk with Bo. Which, in hindsight, had only been about thirty minutes ago. Funny how fast things fell apart here. The air changed then. It was still cool, but almost, sweet. Some kind of fruity scent. I'd smelled this kind of thing before, in the locker room after practice. If I didn't know any better. You good. I jolted up so fast, the chair almost shot out from under me. The table gave a jarring clang as I stumbled on one of its legs, falling clumsily back into my seat. It took a solid second of frantic breathing to process that there was a person in front of me. Mermista. 
sitting right there, like she'd been here the whole time. Had she? I knew my situational awareness was bad, but it couldn't be that bad. Right? Seeing the confusion in my eyes, she lazily gestured to the side of the house. There's a smoking section around the corner. I heard you, flopping around out here, and decided to check on you. I noticed then that she had a long, round electronic device in her hand, some sort of vape. I watched as she took another drag, still sizing me up. The fruity scent from earlier wafted through the air again as she exhaled. Watermelon, from the smell of it. So, what's up? Honestly, I wasn't sure what made me actually want to speak. Normally, I would have never been so open about my feelings, especially not with Mermista, of all people. But I was angry, and the anger made me care less. So I just said it. See, someone here, betrayed my trust, after they specifically said they wouldn't. I scowled. And it's my fault for trusting them in the first place, but I'm still mad, and I just want to leave this stupid place already and go home. Right. She took another drag, letting the smoke curl lazily from her lips. So this, can someone, what did she do? So much for subtlety. She, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to start anything. Sounds like she already did. I sighed. Yeah. But I'm not trying to make it worse. Fair enough. She leaned forward. Seriously, though. If I need to kick ass, or like, actually do my job and talk to Angela, or whatever, let me know. You don't have to just sit around and take shit from her. I sighed. I know. We sat there for a moment, the fresh night air occasionally punctuated by the scent of watermelon. I felt my anger ebbing somewhat as I tuned into the rhythmic chirping of the crickets around me once again. In the distance, I could see the vague silhouette of the corral. Scorpia had mentioned at dinner that we had equine therapy in a few days, I couldn't help but feel excited, in spite of everything. Glimmer had claimed that Swift Wind was an asshole, but I still couldn't see how a horse could have a bad personality. Then again, she tried to warn me about Catra too. Maybe I should start taking her word on things. Mermista must have seen my expression sour. Look, I'm not justifying whatever she did. Believe me, she's, a lot, sometimes. She rolled her eyes. I know I'm not allowed to say that, but it's true. Ridiculously, instead of being comforted, I found myself getting defensive on Catra's behalf. She's just responding to something I did earlier. I just, I never should have come here in the first place. Mermista raised her hands. All I'm saying is, she's been through some rough shit in her life. I'm not gonna give specifics, but let's just say it makes my daddy issues look like a joke in comparison. And I've got a lot going on there. I stared out at the corral. I suddenly felt exhausted. I know I shouldn't take it personally. Uh, no, that's not what I meant at all. You have a right to, like, have feelings. She took another drag, exhaling. I'm just saying that she sees the world in a pretty unique way. Catra's had to struggle for everything she's ever had. Even now, I wouldn't be surprised if she's still kind of locked in fight-or-flight mode. It can make a person do some pretty crazy shit. Somehow, I knew what she meant. I doubted my life had ever been as insane as Catra's, but I was no stranger to feeling unsafe. 
I guess I just thought we could be friends, I said quietly. Now, I'm not so sure. I feel you, Mermister replied. Honestly, I'd say you should just give her time to warm up to you a little. Don't put up with any crap, obviously, but there's more to her than you probably think. She's not, like, a monster or anything. Even if she acts like a major douche sometimes. Mermista froze. She seemed to realize she'd gone too far. Not that you ever heard me say that. I laughed. As much as this conversation had felt like a massive privacy violation, I was sort of glad it had happened. I was far from over it all, but my blood pressure had dropped a bit, and I felt slightly more ready to face the situation upstairs than I had been before. I still wasn't sure how I was going to get my journal back without making a huge scene, but... A thought pricked at the corner of my brain. It was a random suspicion, one I simultaneously hoped and feared might be correct. Probably nothing. But still, I needed to make sure. I stood up suddenly and walked towards the door. Mermista was surprised. Ah, uh, okay. Good night, I guess. I thought back to the journaling group this morning as I headed towards my desk in the living room. I couldn't remember much, I'd been way too focused on my own issues. But I tried to visualize what the other residents' journals looked like. Common sense told me I already knew the answer. If I was right about this, I was pretty sure I was going to catch fire from pure humiliation. I approached the desk, checked behind the monitor, and yep. There it was. My journal. We all had the same journal. Including Katra. Relief, frustration, and embarrassment, so much embarrassment, all fought for the reins of my body at the same time. In the end I just walked, completely numb, back to the patio and sat down in front of Mermista without a word. She eyed me suspiciously. I calmly placed the journal in front of me on the table, and then proceeded to let my head fall to the glass surface with a deafening slam. Jesus Christ, are you good? Mermista hissed. I didn't respond. Instead, I just chuckled. Then I laughed. And didn't stop laughing. Soon I was cackling so hard I could feel the glass rattling beneath me, and still, I kept going. I couldn't see Mermista's face, but I could imagine she looked pretty horrified at that moment. Is this, like, a crisis? Are you having some sort of crisis right now? Cause I'm really not sure how to handle, whatever this is. In lieu of a reply, I just pointed at the journal, forehead still flat on the table. My laughs had devolved into snorts at that point, but I couldn't bring myself to care. Okay, that's, not helpful, she said warily. But I'll let you, like, get it all out, I guess. I did. Slowly my giggle subsided until I was left hiccuping into the glass. After a somewhat hysterical sigh, I lifted my forehead from the table, and hit Mermista with a vacant smile. One that, based on her expression, conveyed exactly how far gone I was in that moment. Thanks for the talk. I'm going to go to bed now. And I left, despite hearing Mermista's voice calling after me. Okay, you cannot just leave me hanging like that and expect me not to be concerned. I ignored her. Katra hadn't been reading my journal at all. She'd been reading hers. Or maybe just picking it up. Or doing any number of completely innocent things with it that had absolutely nothing to do with me. At this point, I didn't care. 
Catra was innocent, I was a moron, and I was going to bed. This day should have ended about 24 hours ago. I walked down the hallway and towards the stairs, still giggling occasionally. I was vaguely aware of how completely insane I looked, but that wasn't high on my list of concerns at that moment. I'm not sure it ever would be again. In spite of how embarrassing this was, I was honestly just, happy. Happy that Katra hadn't betrayed me. Happy I wouldn't have to fight with her again. And happy that I wasn't as terrible at judging people's character as I'd assumed. Even if I was really terrible at using my goddamned brain. By the time I'd reached the top of the stairs, I was feeling more zen than I had in months. Nothing was okay, not by a long shot. But at least it was more okay than I'd thought it was. And I'd take that for now. Then I opened my door, and somehow, things managed to get even better. I'd assumed I'd walked into the wrong place for a moment. No way in hell this was our room. That room looked like a bomb had blown up in it, this one was normal. Hell, it was almost clean. In the twenty minutes I'd spent downstairs, someone had gone on a mad dash cleaning spree. The clothes were gone from the floor, and all the trash had been cleared from the nightstands. It even looked like the beds had been made. It was clearly a rush job, but I could tell she'd put her heart into it. The only sign that this was, in fact, our room was the massive mane of hair sticking up over the covers. Catra was breathing deeply, as if she'd fallen asleep a long time ago. But when I glanced over in her direction, I could have sworn I saw her mismatched eyes staring back for a fraction of a second before she slammed them shut. Her breathing remained steady, but the way she held herself suggested she wasn't as relaxed as she was pretending to be. While there was a chance that this was all just some strange coincidence, I didn't have enough faith in Katra's cleaning habits to really believe that. So I had to assume she'd done this to be, nice. I'd slammed the door in her face, and she'd been nice, without even knowing why I was upset. My heart swelled with overwhelming fondness. Without thinking, I kneeled at the side of her bed, loud enough that she wouldn't be startled. She didn't move, but I could see her body tense slightly with anticipation. Thank you. I murmured. When she didn't respond, I braced my hand against the floor and pushed myself up into a standing position. Then I headed to the bathroom and peeled off my clothes, finally free to take my long-awaited shower. But I didn't relax. Not in the bathroom, with warm water streaming down my back. Not in the mirror, when I brushed my teeth and dried my hair with one of two, Dub's insanely plush towels. And certainly not afterwards, when I'd finally made it to bed and there was nothing to distract me from my thoughts but the whir of the air conditioner, and the sound of Catra's gentle snoring beside me. Something in my body had ramped up to full gear when I saw that sloppily made bed and tidied floor. Something I'd been trying to ignore all day, and maybe a bit before that, and which was now boiling inside me with an intensity that scared me. The worst part? I still don't have a clue what it was. I couldn't sleep. As much as I wanted to, I'd seem to have gotten stuck with a second wind I never asked for. So I started journaling, and didn't stop. Until now, I guess. Everything feels so, intense. I don't normally find myself this strongly affected by other people, or what they think of me. But in the course of one day, I've soared to some of the most intense highs and lows of my life. And all because of some random girl I literally just met. It doesn't make sense. And I am not a person who enjoys when things don't make sense.
She intimidates me, which is weird, because I'm not usually the type to compare myself to other girls like that. But Katra's not like other girls. At least, not to me. And as much as her behavior bugs me sometimes, I can't help but envy her. She's got this disaffected air about her that makes me look like an uptight stick in the mud by comparison. Not to mention that she's talented, and gorgeous, and, kind of sweet. Like, surprisingly so. And thinking about it makes me feel bad about myself, sometimes. But mostly, it just makes me feel good about her. I don't know. She's just such a force of nature, and for some reason, it just brings up a lot for me. If I had even half of her beauty and talent, I feel like I'd never be insecure again. I bet she's never felt like this before. All weird and possessive for someone she barely knows. Honestly, I don't know if anyone has. If so, I've never heard them talk about it before. Anyways, that's enough weirdo stalker rambling for tonight. The last thing I need is for her to find this again, I think I'd die of embarrassment. Time to get some of that precious sleep I was so desperate for a few hours ago. P.S. Bo and Glimmer mentioned after dinner that they had something to tell me tomorrow. I'm not sure what it could be, other than them secretly dating, which honestly wouldn't be much of a surprise, but I'm excited. And a little nervous. Hopefully it's not something bad, but based on Glimmer's weird smile as she said it, I'm sort of doubting that. Guess we'll see. Chapter 10 the Scroll of Truth. Day 2. I really, really need to stop staying up like this. Like, seriously. It's getting bad. I assumed all the free time I'd have here would allow me to finally catch up on sleep. But she had a nightmare again, same as the first night, and I can't help but feel this weird pull to stay awake when that happens. I didn't have to worry about intervening this time. Her voice was loud enough for Mermista to hear her from the hallway. I pretended to be asleep when she came in, but I could hear the interaction pretty clearly. I hadn't known Mermista was capable of speaking so gently. It wasn't nurturing, per se, more quick and to the point, like one friend helping another to their feet. But I think Katra appreciated the distance. That makes sense, from what I know of her now. I think I'll try to wake her up myself next time it happens. Watching her suffer without doing anything to stop it is too painful for me to bear. Either way, I need to start sleeping. I can't sacrifice what little time I do have staying up for someone who never asked me to do that, and almost certainly doesn't want me to anyways. I'll start tomorrow. Glimmer didn't leave me hanging long when it came to her, big surprise. I didn't realize that it was meant to be a secret. I actually went so far as to ask about it at the breakfast table, like some kind of idiot. But their extremely vague responses, and the fact that the other clients at the table immediately froze with fear, clued me in pretty quickly. I kept my mouth shut for the rest of the meal. Finally, after breakfast, Glimmer gave me a totally unsubtle head nod, and I took that as a cue to follow her. After we'd cleaned our dishes, she set off for the living room. I followed without a word. I guess I'm not sure what I was expecting. From the way they'd been talking about it, I figured we'd have to go on some sort of Indiana Jones-esque adventure to find whatever this thing was. Instead, she made her way over to the side of the living room couch and sat unceremoniously on the floor. After an awkward beat, I followed suit. What dash? Glimmer held up a finger to silence me. I shut my mouth. 
Okay, then. Guess it could wait. We listened to the sounds of conversation and clinking plates in the kitchen while I silently questioned what was about to happen to me. I couldn't think of anything logical, my brain began to spiral into increasingly bizarre extremes. Was she going to tell me a secret? Show me a dead rat she'd hidden under the floorboards? Make a pass at me? The possibilities were endless. And terrifying. Of course, she did none of those things. Instead, after a moment had passed, and she'd received whatever assurances she was looking for, she reached beneath the sofa, grabbed at something latched to the bottom, and pulled it out. It was, a purple journal. The same purple journal we all had. She handed it to me. I didn't open it right away, I had no idea who it belonged to. But after a quick nod from Glimmer, I finally moved the cover back to peek inside. Honestly, I had no idea what I was looking at. My best guess was some sort of handwritten transcript, based on the format. But each couple of lines appeared to be in different handwriting, and I realized that I was looking at a series of messages. The names were fake, and read kind of like online usernames. I didn't recognize most of them, Sad Boy, Kizmosa, Poopy Dog. But one of them was Sparkles, and based on the handwriting alone, it seemed like it could be Glimmer. As for the conversations themselves? They were horrifying. Wildly inappropriate. The first page immediately launched into a conversation on the pros and cons of fucking your cousin, and it only went downhill from there. Even just from skimming, I could see that the book was chock full of profanity and unhinged rants. And I could also see that, Sparkles, whoever they were, was one of the primary contributors. After a moment of confused skimming, I looked up. What exactly is this? Glimmer removed the book gently from my hands, looking at it with the same reverence I imagined a preacher would reserve for the Holy Bible. This, is the scroll of truth. There was a pause. I just looked at her for a moment. The scroll of truth? Yep. I glanced at it again. It honestly didn't look impressive enough for a name like that. What's it, uh, what's it to do? Glimmer rolled her eyes. It doesn't do anything, Adora. This isn't Skyrim. It's just a place to have conversations with each other. She lifted her brows smugly. The kind we can't have in front of staff. Curious, I took the book from her hands again, flipping to the last page. There were different names on this one, and to my surprise, I found I could place a few of them. Arrow Boy, in particular, seemed like an obvious choice. It's been kind of dead lately, Glimmer admitted. We haven't had a new client in a while, and Katra, well, she made it pretty clear she wanted nothing to do with us from the get-go. Glimmer shrugged. But you're cool. So I think we can get things going again now. It was starting to click for me. Still, I had questions. What if you guys get caught? Wouldn't it be, like, super incriminating? Glimmer's face lit up in a mischievous grin. Yes. Yes it would. Which is exactly why we have the rules. With a dramatic flourish, she thumbed to the back of the book. A list had been written there in what looked to be a bold, sparkly pink gel pen. 1. Never talk about the scroll. 2. Never hand the scroll to someone else. Put it back in its place after writing. 3. Always check the perimeter for staff before grabbing the scroll. 4. Never use real names. 
Five, snitches get stitches. I looked up. Glimmer looked so ridiculously proud of herself I couldn't help but smile. Does this actually work? I asked, a bit doubtful. I mean, you saw the names in front. This has been going on since before I was even here. When one book runs out, we send it home with a departing member and start a new one. Glimmer shrugged cockily. We've pulled it off so far. Another thought occurred to me. Wait, didn't you break a rule by handing it to me? Like, just now? Glimmer's smile froze on her face. Uh, maybe. Then her face lit up again. See. This is why we need you. I can't be trusted with a job like this. You're way smarter than me. I blushed. I'm really not. But I'll do my best. Does that mean you're in? I thought about it. It was a pretty stupid idea. We were bound to get caught eventually, and given the blatant transparency of some of these nicknames, staff wouldn't have much trouble matching aliases to faces. But when I thought about it, I could kind of see how something like this might work. The scroll was positioned in one of the few blind spots in the room, one where even the occasional slip-up could be blocked from staff view by either the coffee table or the couch. And if anyone walked by, they'd only see a client writing in a journal. Not an uncommon sight around here. Plus, why lie, sneaking around for no reason was kind of fun. I grinned. Okay, I said recklessly. What the hell? I'm in. Glimmer made a squealing noise. Yay. Welcome to the club. You can go ahead and write your intro passage now. I'll answer you on breaks. She stood up to leave. Then, as if remembering something, she paused. I know it's a waste of time, she said, but try to pick a good nickname. Might as well double up on security. With that, she left for the kitchen. I was alone in the living room, holding what was apparently two, Dub's most sacred band book in my hands. It made me a little anxious. But I tried to remind myself that there was nothing inherently suspicious about holding a journal. I did it all the time. Actually, I'm doing it now. So, after a deep breath, I stood, grabbed a pen from a nearby desk, and began to write. I already had a nickname in mind. Shiare, uh, hey. It's me. Glad to be here. Sparkles, yay Shiare. Sparkles, wait what's a Shiare? Shiare, my old lacrosse nickname from high school haha. Weird inside joke. Long story. Sparkles, well Shiare, as per tradition, you must now confess one secret to the rest of the group. It can be a fun fact, but it has to be a scandalous one. None of that, my favorite color is green, shit. Shiare, that is my favorite color though d. Shiare, okay let me think. Shiare, one time when I was six we were on a class field trip to the fish hatchery, and a girl dared me to kiss her. And then when I tried she ducked away from me and started screaming to everyone that I was a homosexual, and I cried even though I didn't know what that meant. Shiare, okay in hindsight that was too much lol but yeah that's my secret. Wildcat, wait real shit. Sparkles, what the fuck is a fish hatchery? Sparkles, also Wildcat? Is that who I think it is? What the hell are you doing here? Wildcat, 
LMAO I'm sorry was I not invited to the princess's christening? Sparkles, uh, no. Obviously you're invited. I just didn't think you wanted to be here. Wildcat, well that was before someone interesting showed up. No offense Sparkles but if I want to hear you talk shit about me I can just stand by your door for more than 10 seconds. Sparkles, I apologize for whatever you heard. Wildcat, actually I was bluffing. Thanks for the confirmation though. Sparkles, I rescind my apology you're actually the worst. 11T1302D18A, a fish hatchery is an artificial breeding location for various animal species. It's a major staple of the aquaculture industry. Wildcat, okay what in the actual fresh hell is going on with that tag name? Shiari, do the numbers mean anything? 11T1302D18A, no. They are completely arbitrary. I was told these monikers should be as difficult to trace as possible. Wildcat, dude I hate to be the one to tell you this but like, there is literally only one person who could have a username like that. 11T13020D18A, I see. My mistake. I will make sure the digits of my next username are more thoroughly randomized. Wildcat, it sounds good. I knew something big was up when I saw the spray paint in the living room. I didn't know a lot about rehab, but I did know that spray paint was one of those things you generally weren't supposed to leave lying around. But there it was, a huge, messy box of it, sitting on the coffee table when we came in from lunch. Outside of breakfast, the day had been pretty dull. They'd kept us busy with lots of behavior modification packets, most with cute cartoon graphics on the front which felt a bit tonally inconsistent. So I was definitely looking for a change of pace. I just hadn't thought that would include vandalism. Ooh, are we tagging shit? Katra said as she came up behind me. I call red. It's my signature. I rolled my eyes. Why does that not surprise me? That red is my tagging signature? That you have one. Katra shrugged. Probably because I'm a degenerate. I scoffed. The rest of the clients started trickling in, each looking as confused as we were. Aren't they worried people are going to like, get high off of these, or something? I asked. Katra shot me a brief look of admiration. Didn't take you for a huffer, princess. You seem a bit too mentally present for that. I shrugged. Never got around to it, I guess. Well, first time for everything. Either way. I call Red. I was starting to miss the days when she didn't talk. Whoopsie. Scorpia swooped in behind us, grabbing the cans off the table without a second of hesitation. That, er, that goes somewhere else, she said, laughing nervously. She made no move to put it, somewhere else, though. Instead, she just stared at us awkwardly for a moment. Head over to the group room, everyone, she exclaimed, a bit forcefully. Perfuma will explain what's going on. She began edging towards the stairs, her eyes trained on us. We just stared. Eventually, she made it to the edge of the living room and backed out of sight. Don't follow me, she called out, her footsteps taking on new urgency as they faded into the hallway. Weird. There was a brief pause as we tried to process the scene we just witnessed. Then, Katra spoke. Okay, is Scorpia tagging something right now? 
I laughed. Obviously not, I replied. Then, impulsively, I added, she's clearly huffing. Katra literally snorted, the other group members gave her a curious look. I had to turn and walk towards the group room so she wouldn't see me smiling. We made our way cautiously down the hallway. Sure enough, Perfuma was there, standing in the middle of the room with a serene expression on her face. In her hands were two sheets of paper, one red, one blue. Welcome, noble adventurers, she said, with the mysterious solemnity of a fortune teller at a county fair. Please, have a seat. We all slid into the nearest available armchair. I kept meeting people's gazes, trying to figure out what was happening. To my surprise, only around half of them, namely Katra, Glimmer, and Rong Hordak, seemed confused by what was going on. The rest seemed excited. Bo, in particular, had the same weirdly mystical expression on his face as Perfuma. Glimmer noticed immediately. Do you know what's going on? She asked him. He just grinned. It's a surprise. Just wait. This didn't seem to appease Glimmer in the way he'd hoped, she just shot him a suspicious glare. Dunno why no one tells me these things, she grumbled, turning towards Perfuma. Been here two months. Perfuma seemed to have been waiting until we were settled. Now, there was a distinct sense of whimsy in her eyes I'd never seen before. I couldn't tell if it alarmed or excited me. When we'd settled down a bit, she spoke. Welcome, one and all, she began dramatically, to our first ever two-dub scavenger hunt. The group began murmuring with interest, sans Catra, who looked thoroughly uninvested. I personally thought it sounded a lot more entertaining than rifling through packets for another hour. Though I still didn't understand what the spray paint was for. As if on cue, there was a loud clatter to my right. Scorpia had apparently snuck back down the stairs while we were distracted, and had been trying to slip out the front door without being noticed. Instead, she'd wound up crashing into a nearby end table. All eyes were now on her. Everything's okay. Scorpia shouted, though no one had assumed otherwise. Several sets of keys slid off the table with a jarring clatter. The situation is under control, she cried, looking a bit worse for wear. Don't look at me. Then, without another word, she yanked the door open with her free hand and lumbered gracelessly into the front yard. Perfuma, to her credit, did not appear remotely phased by any of this. Today's exercise will put both your IQ and EQ to the test. She smiled. Both IQ and EQ are reductive and overly simplistic measures of intelligence that are skewed heavily in favor of privileged social majorities, of course. And I would never dream of reducing any of you, in all your infinite complexity, to the results of a scavenger hunt. Perfuma giggled. I just couldn't resist the turn of phrase. I found myself locking eyes with Katra on that one, she gave me a quick eye roll. I had to hold back a smile. You'll be working in two teams of three to solve a series of trivia questions. Then, at the end, you'll answer another question, about yourself. She smiled. Isn't that exciting? From the looks on everyone else's faces, they seemed a bit less enthralled with the idea than Perfuma was. I myself was conflicted. The questions could be fun, it just depended slightly on who I was paired with. As I scanned the crowd, I noticed something. Where's Hordak?
I asked. There was a period of silence, too long, for such an innocuous question. Then Entrapta responded with the cadence of someone reciting from a script. He will not be joining us this evening. He has other business to attend to. We all stared at her for a moment. Perfuma's smile looked a bit tense. Do you, uh, know what it is? Katra asked. There was an awkward pause. Then, after a suspiciously long period of time, she responded, nope. I really needed to stop inquiring about people's whereabouts. Anyways, Perfuma recovered, holding both the red and the blue papers side by side. Before I explain any further, let's go ahead and select our groups. Remember, two teams, with three people each. Ready, set, go. On that terrifying note, she lowered the papers and nodded for us to begin. I swallowed nervously. I hated picking groups. Especially when I didn't know people that well, which was pretty much always. There was nothing quite as terrifying as having to look someone in the eye and risk seeing them already looking at someone else. Or worse, catching them intentionally looking away from you. These were the thoughts running through my head as I glanced awkwardly around the room, eyes landing everywhere but the faces of the people around me. The chair. The windowsill. Bo's arm. Another chair. Of course I knew who I wanted. But they probably didn't want me. And the thought of enduring that micro-rejection was painful enough to make me freeze on the spot. Fortunately, I was about to be in luck. Unfortunately, I was about to be in luck because of some major in-house drama. What do you mean, you already decided? Glimmer was looking at Bo like she'd been kicked in the gut. I'm sorry. Bo said, a bit sheepishly. Everyone was gradually turning to look at them. Me and Entrapta agreed earlier that we'd be on the same team, and she'd already agreed to partner with Rong Hordak. Rong Hordak and Entrapta were giving each other some extremely obvious side-eye at that moment. If I had to guess what it meant, it'd be that both of them would've been willing to jump ship in a heartbeat if it meant avoiding this. But neither of them spoke up. I, it's fine. I'm not upset about that, Glimmer said, the strain in her voice betraying her. I just wish you'd told me earlier. Maybe we could've, I mean, we. She fell silent as she realized that there was nothing she reasonably could've done to prevent the situation, other than getting to Bo first, which she obviously couldn't say out loud. Scorpia mentioned it to us on accident in the kitchen earlier, Bo said apologetically. She told us to keep it a secret. It wasn't personal. Glimmer seemed to be realizing that she'd attracted an audience, and that it wasn't one she wanted at that moment. She forced a smile onto her face. Right. Of course not. It's totally fine. Me and Adora are gonna crush this, anyways. Yikes. That was a double blow, to myself, for being her rebound, and to Katra, who didn't even get a mention at all. Again, the two of us met eyes. Katra wasn't even bothering to hide her bemusement at this point. I'm not sure I was doing a great job either. It was silent for a moment. The tension was nearly unbearable, even Perfuma seemed to be at an uncharacteristic loss for words. Finally, Katra spoke. Go team. With that, we shuffled awkwardly into our respective sides. Perfuma, after a hesitant pause, began to explain the rules again. No going out the front door, 
into other people's rooms, or onto the balcony. The papers we'd been given were decoder sheets, we could use them to solve certain puzzles, when prompted to do so by a clue. Icebreakers, she insisted, were mandatory, and should be answered as thoroughly and genuinely as possible, she said with a smile. My mind phased in and out of attention. Mostly, if I was being honest, it drifted to Katra. She didn't look overly thrilled to be doing this, but I couldn't help but feel excited anyways. I wanted to ask her questions, learn things about her. I kind of wanted her to learn things about me, too. I was a bit worried about Glimmer, though. As soon as everyone's eyes had left her, her face had fallen noticeably. I guess getting rejected by Bo had really set her off. Frankly, I couldn't blame her, I might not have been as open about my hurt feelings as she'd been, but I definitely would have had them. We'll be starting the two teams at different locations, Perfuma said. Unlike a normal scavenger hunt, these clues actually lead in a circle, so don't bother. Trying to skip ahead. I couldn't help but notice her eyes flickering to Katra, who was already scowling. Once you've collected all six clue slips, you'll be able to arrange the letters on the back into your final clue. And from there. Perfuma grinned, wiggling her hands a bit with excitement. Well, I won't spoil it. You'll just have to wait and see. I couldn't help but smile at her enthusiasm. It was nice to see someone committed to giving us an enjoyable experience in an otherwise not so enjoyable place. I could only hope the clients themselves were on board. Now, for your first question, Perfuma said dramatically. She held the two papers aloft. Choose, red, or blue. There was only a second of hesitation before both Katra's voice and my own rang out, in perfect unison. Red. Everyone looked at us, I felt myself blushing at their glances. But Katra was smiling at me, her expression warm, and I couldn't help but mirror her as I took the paper from a slightly perplexed Perfuma. Maybe this would be fun after all. 